getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today, it's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com slash rebates. College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at a $1,000 savings plan deposit for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody. It is the Mile High Huddle Podcast. I am your host, Chad Jensen, with me, Scott Kennedy the MHH producer extraordinaire in the saddle one last time with me because Kelberman was kind of caught up, delayed trying to get back from being on vacation. Scott, thanks for, what is this now? Four in a row, three in a row. I've lost count, dude. It's fun talking football with you. So how you doing tonight, bro? Something like that. Something like that. It feels, uh, you know, it's, it's a good thing I was planning on being here anyway, except, you know, That's I had right. a shower and, you know, clean up just a little bit. Uh, this is this is a shave from yesterday, so it doesn't it doesn't grow all that fast. So every other day is good for me. But I, I I grabbed a shower and said, "Yeah, let's get in here and talk some talk some Broncos and hit some lists, hit some listicles, hit some Von Miller. We hit a little Drew yep. Lock last night, so we can talk some Von. We can talk some X's. Yes, and Von Miller, he's always going to hold a special place in every single Broncos fan's heart. So we'll get to why we want to talk about Von tonight. Before we do that, though, I want to. Scott, get your take on this. The Denver Broncos, I woke up this morning and it's sitting in my email. Oh, let me get rid of that that ad so people can see. Go away, go away. Uh, I woke up this morning to a press release from the Denver Broncos saying that former U.S. Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice, she is now a member of Broncos ownership. And I just want to read a couple of these little uh, snippets from the press release real quick, because I actually learned a few things about her. I, I didn't otherwise know, but she's, this is the press release from the Walton Penner group quote, we're pleased to welcome former secretary of state Condoleezza Rice to our ownership group, a highly respected public servant, accomplished academic and corporate leader. Secretary Rice is well known as a passionate and knowledgeable football fan who has worked to make the sport stronger and better. She is the daughter of a football coach and served on the inaugural uh, college football playoff committee. She moved to Denver with her family when she was 12 and went on to attend the University of Denver for both college and graduate school. Her unique experience, last thing here, Scott, and extraordinary judgment will be a great benefit to our group and the Broncos organization. Closed quote. Your thoughts, Scott, because I see some people like trying to tie it into her previous what political party she served when she was secretary of state and being like, oh, my gosh, the Broncos are going political. This, Your thoughts? Yeah, well, they didn't try to go political when they were going college football playoff committee. They were trying to get a, a very smart, well-connected uh, woman involved. And I don't know what they're going to do. So did she buy her way in? How do you just become part of the ownership group? 
you know, did she, she got a piece of it. They, they sold off part of the team. Uh, you know, those are the kind of questions I have. It's like, well, what's she going to be doing? She's obviously incredibly smart. Uh, she's got ties to the local area. Again, I, I didn't know that, but you know, again, I try not to follow politics too closely because I get passionate enough about sports. If I actually paid attention to the slime pit that is national politics, I'd really get upset. So I don't, I try and live in denial when it comes to that type of stuff. Um, but she's, you know, super accomplished, been in sports a long time. Now, what's she going to be doing? You know, uh, what's, what's going to be her role? So that would be my question. Um, yeah, you know, there's, there's certainly a, a role, there's roles for her to be had. I mean, you know, I think most of y'all know I'm a, a big Chelsea soccer fan and their director of football who handles all the deals there is a woman and she's fantastic. So, you know, it doesn't, I don't care. Black, white, male, woman doesn't, I don't care. Uh, but is she, you know, is she, um, you know, qualified to do whatever it is other than buy her way in? I want to, I want to know what she's going to be doing because she, she does. She's, she's a, she can make deals and she's extremely smart and is well-versed in the sport, in the sport itself. She is a football person. Yeah. And, you know, she also happens to be the first, she wasn't the first female secretary of state. That was Bill Clinton's, um, what was her name? What was her name? Madeline Albright, if I remember right. Uh, but she is the first uh, black woman that was secretary of state, which is awesome. In combination with Melody Hobson, right, who's the George Lucas's wife, who's also part of ownership. The Broncos are doing a great job, I think, too, of representing diversity. Uh, Sam Bam jumped in early here with a super chat. Thank you, my friend. We do appreciate it. You know, we love you. He says, greetings, Chad and Scott. I finalized plans to be in Denver the weekend of August 19th and 20th through the 22nd for my fantasy football league's draft weekend, having my draft at the Jackson Lodo Bar. Uh, cool, dude. Anyone been there before? Go Broncos. You know, this is going to sound kind of boring, but I don't drink. So, uh, But, dude, that's cool. You know what you should do, Sam Bam? You should meet us one month later-ish for the meet and greet week three. And that's a regular season game, and it counts, and it's against the Niners. There's going to be some ties. DJ Jones going against San Francisco. It's going to be dope. Yeah, um, I don't drink either. So, <laughs> yeah, we're kind of boring. We're kind of boring. We're, we're I'm I'm an early to bed, early to rise type for sure. Uh, but thank you for the Sam. You've been kicking butt. Uh, we'll do an update, and I think you're top three or four uh in the in the the youtube rankings for yes. the month of july so awesome sam appreciate uh, all you do for us um i'm certainly not afraid to go to the bar and have some fun though when we see everybody oh, here yeah. at uh september 25th it's gonna be dope guys so much more to get to before we do we got to say thank you to the presenting sponsor of tonight's podcast and that is of course manscaped because crotch discomfort let's face it it probably hurting your game, but fear no more because the kings of crotch comfort, Manscaped, have spent two years designing the most comfortable boxer briefs out there. They're sleek, they're soft, they're comfortable, and they're flexible. The brand new Boxers 2.0 from Manscaped. They take your uh, family jewels, let's just say, to the royal, <laughs> I can't say it, the royal throne, the global leaders in below the waist grooming have the lawnmower 4.0 for the trimming so that you can wear the Boxers 2.0 for the chilling. Go right now to manscaped.com. Use our code MHH at checkout. You will get 20% off plus free shipping using code MHH, Scott. 
I love the boxer briefs. And, you know, as you said, brand new for the leaders in uh, in, in male grooming, something I'm looking forward to trying because that's become my go-to style of undergarments is the boxer briefs. You don't necessarily want the tidy whities I like a little bit more length there. So, you know, in case you have to drop trowel for some reason, you know, <laughs> you, you don't look like you're standing there in your in your 1980s underwear. So I'm looking yep. forward to trying some of these because, like you said, brand new. Brand new. So, guys, go to manscaped.com. Check out using the code MHH. You're going to get 20% off plus free shipping. Manscaped.com, code MHH to get that 20% off plus free shipping. Scott, Robert has this to say via a super chat. Thank you, Robert, by the way. Thank that's just so rad, dude. We appreciate everyone's generosity. It really, especially right now during the slow time, it's keeping the lights on here at MHH. Mm -hmm. Robert says, hi from Nevada, hashtag Broncos country, not a geographic location. It is a state of being. He says, what do you guys think will be the best position battles this season? And who do you think will start at right tackle? That's an interesting question, Scott. Let's we can we can answer this, but actually started today. Nothing has published yet, but it's coming soon. A series uh, leading up to training camp between now and training camp that is going to be breaking down and focusing on the most ferocious, key, crucial position battles this summer for starting jobs. But what say you, Scott? What are the most interesting position battles? And maybe simply, who do you think starts at right tackle? I think Billy Turner's probably got the lead, but Tom Compton's a good blocker. So, you know, run blocker. If you're looking, we, we said a lot last year, you, you probably get tired of hear me, hearing me use the, the term bullied. Uh, but the Broncos got bullied in the trenches last year. And every just about every move, other than the Russ Wilson move, that we saw helped address that. You know, I, I've said before, if an idiot like me can pick it out, what do you think of, of football, football geniuses that are making millions and billions in this industry, uh, on the whole, they can figure it out too. So I think Billy Turner's probably got the lead, but the interesting battles are all across the offensive line for me. You know, what happens with Graham Glass now? Glasgow, uh, Dalton Reisner, Quinn Miners. You know, is, is Miners a shoe-in? Is he an absolute lock for a starting position right now? Cushenberry seems to have the lead right now, but could he be, be pushed by uh, the rookie center? Probably not, but, you know, Glasgow might be a little bit too tall. Miners at guard has played center before. I don't think that's going to happen, but no, I think there's going to be some really good competition from left guard over to right tackle, just all the way across the board. Yeah, that's definitely where the most where the most jobs to be won are. I mean, every every job is a job to be won. Don't get me wrong, but like in terms of things being up in the air, it's definitely offensive line. I mean. Garrett Bowles is really the only shoe in. And so mm -hmm. each spot this summer is going to be fought for Dalton Reisner. He's been a shoe in at left guard the last three years, but everything we're hearing is that that those days are, are in the past. He hasn't been good enough to justify just kind of, a, Oh, the job is yours. My dog type of situation. And there are rumors, Scott, that the Broncos actually tried moving him during the NFL draft. Didn't work out. They're unfounded. Maybe I should say purportedly tried to trade Dalton Reisner, but right tackle for me, I almost, I mean, look, they, they're all kind of making similar money, Billy Turner, Compton and Calvin Anderson. They're all making between two to two and a half million this year. I really want to see Compton kind of win the job just because watching some of his film uh, for the Niners, especially as a run blocker, man, mm -hmm. dude can get after it. Now, maybe not quite as, proficient 
as a pass blocker, as a tackle, uh, as Billy Turner is. But then again, you know, if you read the breakdown Eric Trickle did on Billy Turner and you get into some of the advanced metrics on the number of pressures he allowed as a tackle in Green Bay and all that stuff, Scott, it's actually not very pretty. Like Billy Turner's not a guy that should be inspiring all that much confidence, which is why I do think that is a position still very, very, very much up in the air and for grabs. This is two years in a row, Chad. If I've got a nit to pick with with uh, George Payton, it's like how how come there hasn't been more done to address the right tackle position? It, it may have been, but it feels like Massey last year, and I know you didn't expect Jawan James, but you got a redo on that. Yep. You know, you got you got some money back on him. You got a a gift. You know, I, I feel bad for him to a certain extent, um, but you know, you're able to avoid his contract and start over. And then you had another year where you could bring someone in at right tackle and the position wasn't really addressed with a yes. There's a couple Mm -hmm. maybes in there and maybes are a little bit scary when you're talking about the offensive line. So hopefully you can piece together and and end up with a yes. When you talk about um, Billy Turner and um, Billy Turner and Tom Compton, maybe. Maybe you end up with one, but you're, there's no definite answer there. So that's that's the one of the bigger question marks for me. Uh, is is that right tackle spot? You're, and, and it's also we got a question before that said, you know, after Russell Wilson, who do you think the most important person on this team is? And I, I said Garrett Bowles, hands down, mm-hmm. for this very reason because yep. you know left tackle is arguably the second most position, most important position in in football, usually the second highest paid. And the drop-off after Garrett Bowles is huge. You don't have another answer for him. So the right tackle position is a question mark. You certainly can't afford to have the left tackle be a question mark too. Well said. Lawrence Rivera jumping in with some stars. Appreciate that, my dog. He says, what up, guys? The whole Condoleezza Rice thing has left a bad taste in my mouth. No reason the Walton Group needs her money and no reason politicians should be getting interested in football. For what it's worth, she's not a politician. She's a public servant. There's a difference, my friend. All right. She's never, to my knowledge, Scott, now I'm not, I don't profess to be an expert on these matters. Okay. But she's not held office as an elected official. All right. That's a politician. She's been, you could call her a bureaucrat or a career politician where they've been in there for, you know, 50 years. Right. Um, But but, but she she strikes me as more of a, you know, a Renaissance woman who's done a little bit of everything. This. Yes. I honestly like that's not even what I think about when I heard Condoleezza Rice. I think about high, uh, brilliant, high functioning, high, very competent woman. And then I've learned I didn't know this about her, Scott, but then I learned that she kind of is a, a, a an expert of sorts in football. There's a reason she was placed on the college football playoff uh, board or committee, etc. So I wouldn't let you know the fact that she served on a on George W. Bush's in her in his cabinet and whatnot. It's not a matter of politics. I don't think this is signaling, you know, Denver Broncos are now Republican HQ in the NFL. It's nothing like that, dude. It's also, Scott, a fact we've we've learned since before ownership was officially transferred in the auction, way before that. It was a high priority for the NFL because it's not so often that a team gets sold in the league. This mm-hmm. time around, it was a high priority that there was some sort of diversity involvement at the ownership level. And of course you look at Rob Walton and, and uh, Greg Penner and, and whatnot, they're white, they're rich white billionaires. Then you go out and you get Melody Hobson, you get Condoleezza Rice. So I think this also has a little bit to do with not so much pressure Scott from the NFL, 
that's not what I'm trying to say, but the influence and the kind of wanting to turn the page to new eras in the league and bringing in new voices and people from uh, more diverse backgrounds. And this is exactly what that's doing. Well, and, and you know, Lawrence follows up, says, no less a diehard Browns fan. I'll tell you one thing. If you can find someone that's a diehard Browns fan, you found someone that's loyal. Through the good and the <laughs> bad, true. you found true. loyal. Now, on, on that note, everybody grew up a fan of somebody. And there's about a 1 in 33, 30 chance that they grew up a Denver Broncos fan. It's, it's not that big a deal. The, mo the more you're with around this stuff, it's a job. Yep. And it becomes a passion for your job. And I've said a zillion times, the more you're in sports and around sports, you root more for the names on the back of the jerseys than the name on the front of the jerseys. Now, if you're part owner, you know, whatever. I went to Auburn. If my kid gets a baseball scholarship to Alabama, I'm going to be sitting in the stands saying, roll damn tide. Right. You know, it's, it, it's, there's, it's just not that big a deal. And like I said, if you can, if you admit to being a diehard Browns fan, you, you found a loyal person. <laughs> that's, that's a good quality to have because they're not an easy franchise to be a diehard fan of. Besides, do you think Rob Walton has been a Denver Broncos fan. Do you think Pat Bowen was a Denver Broncos fan when he bought the Most team in 1984? It's a job. It's a, it's a job. Yeah. It's a, it becomes a passion. You're passionate about your job. That's right. Uh, it's, these are, these are professionals. Naj. How many of these, how many of these football players grew up diehard Broncos fans? They are told they are chosen They are, They don't get to pick where they go. They are told where they're going to go. We got something on that very topic here in just a minute. We're going to get to about players and the teams they grew up rooting for and all that stuff. But Naj, if we're, if we're going to talk about professionals, Naj comes to mind right away, dude. Professional stud. He says, hey, brothers, with a very generous super chat, all I ever recall hearing is about, <clears throat> pardon me, the majority owner, never the minority owners. I wonder if the NFL is just trying to show inclusivity by making this news. I just hope the past players uh, continue to be involved. Well, we know that inclusivity and diversity was something that Roger Goodell and the other owners, like they wanted that to be a part of whatever happens next with the Denver Broncos. <laughs> Issue is there's only so many billionaires that can afford to buy a team in the, in the world. And, and there aren't Robert many Walton, richer than the guy who bought it, but you know what, Robert F Smith, he had a chance if he wanted to throw his hat in the ring and it didn't really, for whatever reason, we don't know exactly some, potential IRS scandal, some other things. We don't know the entire story there, but ended up being Rob Walton. And he's surrounding himself with people that do come from diverse backgrounds and not just, I'm not just when I, we talk about diversity, I'm not just talking about color of skin or gender, but look at what kind of business background Melody Hobson comes from. And then look at what kind of background Condoleezza Rice comes from. And you bring these voices, these perspectives of very successful, high functioning, competent human beings to the table. And in my opinion, Scott, that can only help the Denver Broncos based on what I know about these two women, uh, their resumes. And again, if they're part of the ownership group, what is it they're going to be doing? You know, what is, you know, are they, Nothing. are they sitting there improving, approving deals? Not much. Um, yeah. I would, I would want them to learn. I would want someone like that with their backgrounds to learn about the salary cap for sure. <laughs> the different ways they can maximize their investment. Um, and and get sponsorships and that type of stuff. But, you know, George Payton, this is still George Payton's team. All of that, you know, all that being said. And Stu McPeak, go ahead and do it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Zeus. <laughs> Putting out the call. Stu coming in huge. Hot pink. Stu McPeak coming in fuchsia with a very generous super chat. And again, this time of year, things start getting a little lean. Uh, and it, it's it's a bigger help than ever 
when uh, you know we we try we talk about diversity. We try and diversify our income streams. Yep. And some start drying up this time of year. So this is a big help for us, uh, Stu. Yeah. Um, appreciate you. And, and yeah, you bro, is in here. Michaela. The Duchess as well. Michaela's coming in, coming in hot, coming in with a with a nice Broncos orange. And she says, "Why do we have Josh McDaniels in the chat?" We don't anymore. Uh, in my opinion, we have a very heavy-duty ownership group. I miss Vaughn. Um, I can't keep up with the chat on a, on a real-time basis when I'm doing this, so I po- apologies. I know Dylan probably has a, a longer fuse than I do when it comes to this type of stuff, and we love him for it, but I just nuked it. I, 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 don't, I don't feel like having – don't come in yeah. here and start throwing Get political slander at John Elway. Yeah. Go find someplace else. Go to Twitter yeah, and go play. Goodbye. By the way, Stu, how's Denver treating you, my friend? Get to return to the promised land. Really cool. I want to hear all about it. Michaela, love you so much. Appreciate you. And we've got many of the heavy hitters. When we talk about the MHH Mount Rushmore of Super Chat Superstars, we have several in the house tonight from Michaela to Zeus to Naj. Uh, Sam Bam is definitely worked his way all the way up to the Mount Rushmore of Super Chat Superstars here at MHH. So, we're very lucky to have you guys in our community and we do appreciate everything that you do helping us keep this snowball rolling. And it's a, you know, people say, what do you do in the off season, Chad, when they learn what I do for a living and how do you, you know, once the season's over, how do you find anything to talk or write about? It's like, well, really the only time that becomes even tenuous in any way, shape or form is that six week gap in between off season training program ending and training camp beginning those six weeks. That's where you got to get a little bit creative. And as Scott mentioned, you see the the, the fan scrutiny kind of dwindle. People are enjoying their summers. The players are out enjoying their summers. And so we're just kind of left here to keep her, keep her going. We're going to keep breaking down the Broncos. We're going to preview things. Any topic that, that we come across on the interwebs during each day, you know we're going to bring it to your attention on these podcasts each and every night. But when we get to training camp here at the end of the month, uh, July 27th, man, we're going to go from zero to 60, Scott, in a hurry. And kind of like why the inter the uh, the mixed practices where you have two teams, what do they call that? Joint the joint the joint practices are really good because you get tired of hitting on one another. By week four of these six weeks, the chats in here can get a little nasty. <laughs> people need people need a, a common enemy. You start you start having little opinions. You start getting a little grouchy, a little grumpy. This has been good so far, and I think this will be an exception to that rule this year. At least I'm hoping. Last year was a little rough because there was some a lot of stuff to be anxious about oh, yeah. going in last year, and uh, people started you know picking sides, and um, you know again. So we're looking forward to some football, and this is a this is this is a fun off season. This has been a fun off season for sure. Just looking forward to what it's going to be now. Like the, the days of desperation, the days of depredation, those are in the rear view. Sam Bam helping us celebrate that fact that the dark days, they are in the rear view mirror. Appreciate that. We're not set up to be able to see what the sticker is. Maybe it's the acid hippo. I'm not sure, but Sam Bam love you, dude. Thank you. That's two throwdowns on super chat tonight. We really do appreciate that brother. And Travis said he, uh, he was uh, he was taken out taken off tonight, so we'll we'll catch Travis hopefully in Broncos for breakfast in the morning. Um, yeah, Big T, we'll see you. By the way, Travis, dude, before you leave, you won the Apple Podcast I'll giveaway him tomorrow. I'll remind him tomorrow when we see him uh, for sure. I, I didn't catch that until a little bit too late. So breaking news, all right, everybody, ready? 
Hold on to your desk. Hold on to your seat. Russell Wilson. So, Jer- uh, Jer- let, me, let, me, let me posture it this way. Jeremy Fowler of ESPN, each and every year during the offseason, this is tis the season for the lists, right? Listicles are ubiquitous. They're everywhere right now. And Jeremy Fowler, he's one of the better, I think, reporters covering the NFL as from a national level, and I, I tend to uh, enjoy his analysis more often than not. His top 10 quarterback rankings last year this time, Russell Wilson checked in at number four. Now, Scott, he's ranked at number eight. And I just want to read a little snippet here, and then I want to get your take on this because you brought up a very salient point before we hit the old go live button that I want you to bring up to everybody. But here's what Fowler said, quote, Wilson hasn't had a great 18 months on the field, to be sure. The let Russ cook movement of 2020 provided fireworks in the first half of the season, but just 203.2 passing yards per game over the final seven games as defenses adjusted to his deep ball. Then in 2021, Wilson posted a 54.7 QBR, the lowest of his career, though a finger injury, ding, 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 that required in-season surgery clearly affected his production. He was missing layups, the easy throws. He'd always hit. And then last thing, though, then there's this. His absolute worst is still better than most with 65 Mm -hmm. touchdowns to 19 picks over his past two seasons and his 7.8 yards per attempt last year ranked fifth overall close quote. So Scott, we can talk about some of the players that are ranked ahead of him, some of the players Mm -hmm. that are just behind him, but what was your gut reaction to this list? A couple of gut reactions. One, when I saw Joe Burrow at five, I thought that's too high. That was one of my first as I'm scrolling down the list thinking, okay, this is a little too high. Um, Brady dropping out of the top three surprised me a little bit. And again, uh, this, these aren't Jeremy Fowler's rankings. These are a compilation of uh, NFL personnel, execs, scouts, and stuff. And it's, so it's a combination list done anonymously. So it's, it's a solid. I think these lists mean more than, than most lists that we run into. Um, but as far as, uh, you know, number eight, Again, I think Joe Burrow's a little high. And the other thing that I got out of this, Chad, was how valuable is the freaking quarterback position when you're talking about a guy at eight, you're talking about Deshaun Watson at nine, who hasn't even played in two years, and we're talking about $250 million in guaranteed contracts and five first-round draft picks swapping for the eight and ninth best quarterbacks in the league. One of them's 33, one of them's 25. Picture doing that with any other position. Maybe, I mean, it's not even close. You you might be able to get a first and a third for an eight and nine on a different, on on one of the different lists. Maybe a receiver could go for, you know, a a, a higher or an edge, but it's a quarterback league, man. Um, One of the things out there that really struck a chord with me, and I love that it was written in here, and I'm just going to repeat it. In, a, in my own way, his absolute worst wasn't so bad. His absolute worst is a monster upgrade over what you've had the last five years. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. We get into the, you know, this does carry more water because of the fact that, you know, the we know the his actual peers contributed to the voting on this. So a big part of it is perception. And there's no doubt the Seahawks had a down year last year. And in large part, it was due to the fact that Russ wasn't quite himself for a good stretch of the season because of that injury. Um, You know, you kind of thank the injury gods, though, a little bit, Scott, because even though these things have been brewing for a while, uh, his his dissatisfaction with Seattle and tired of getting hit all the time and all that stuff. 
it was probably a matter of course, but it was definitely accelerated by the fact that the Seahawks had one of only his in 10 years in, in Seattle, he only produced two seasons as a starter where they didn't make the playoffs. And last year was one of them. Uh, but kind of thankfully for the Broncos, he had that injury and things kind of went south for the Seahawks in 2021. And now he's in Denver, healthy, happy, stoked to be where he is right now. A couple other things real quick, Scott, from this, from the uh, NFL execs and whatnot that are worthy of discussion. This is from a quote, AFC personnel evaluator. I think you'll see a rejuvenated Russ with the Broncos. They are tailoring things around him. He'll have more ownership of the offense and a good supporting cast. Talking about being number four last year, he will get his spot back. And then an NFC evaluator said, quote, <clears throat> he's got to get rid of the ball quicker. He puts the offensive line in a tough position too often. When there's an easy first read, he looks for the home run and it hurts him. Close quote. Uh, I refer to those as greedy quarterbacks. He's greedy, um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing because he's not throwing a bunch of interceptions either. He might be greedy, um, but he's not. He, he he'll take more sacks, but he's not throwing it into danger. Um, and if he if it's putting his offensive line in trouble, well, that's okay. That's on him. Hey, listen, I held on to the ball. That's that's my bad. You start throwing the ball into bad areas, and to get to uh, Huera Vidal's super chat. Uh, coming in green, he says the chat's gonna get nasty when you tell Scott Teddy threw a hospital ball to KJ Hamler. Uh, always a good pod with Zach and Scott. Glad that you're back, Chad. Um, yeah, you can if you can put the ball in a bad spot, and you're gonna have to apologize to a wide receiver. That's that's much better than having to say, "Listen, you know, it's your job to keep me from getting hit. I didn't help you do your job." Okay, well, I'm the one that got hit. <laughs> I'm the one that took took the the shot on it. So that's not so bad. Um, I expect him to put up significantly better numbers. Not only does he have an offensive-minded coach who's going to be much more aggressive, I think the supporting cast and the weapons are going to be uh, a step up. Maybe not the number one receiver. You know, you could go and argue, say, maybe the top two are better than the top two at Denver. But I think the depth, when you start going through six, seven, eight legit weapons for the Denver Broncos – um, it's going to be, it's going to be a fun year. It's going to be a real fun year. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Lawrence, he says, love you guys for seeing the good in everything and opening my eyes to different perspectives. Yeah, dude, that's what conversation is all about, bro. That's one thing I think Scott, that separates how we approach, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, here at mile high huddle, how we approach our podcast platform is yeah, it's content in the sense that we will get up here. And if nobody showed up, we got plenty of topics we'd be talking about. All right. But you guys do show up. And so what happens is instead of like when you're listening to radio and you got two guys speaking at you, we're speaking with you. We're having a conversation. Um, it's a back and forth where there are things you guys say that sometimes make me rethink my evaluations, my takes. And so naturally, there's going to be things you'll hear myself, Scott, Zach, Nick, any of the dudes say help you maybe rethink some of yours. And that's why it's a community. That's why it's a conversation. And I think that's probably why you guys love coming to mile high huddle because we're talking to you. You're talking to us. It's not a one way stream. No, it's fun. I always say talk radio with Collins is the easiest thing in the world to do, yep. you know, because I don't have to monologue. I don't have to guess what you're interested in. Just ask me a question. I'll tell you Q and a is really, really easy. Uh, if you know your subject matter, which, Hopefully, you know, we're, we're getting there. 
Um, Garrelys Palmer helps us get there. He's coming with some good looking stars saying, yeah, buddy, hey, Chad and Scott and Broncos country, get ready for a special season. Go Broncos and let's ride. Appreciate you, Gary. Hope, uh, hope everything's going well for you. And, and you're feeling well, it feels like, uh, it's Monday. You know, we do a couple Sunday, Monday pause, like, wait, what day is it? Okay. Trash days tomorrow. Okay. Usually <laughs> Monday night football and all that type of stuff to judge my calendar by, but I started getting off a little bit. So hope you've had a, a good weekend and the uh, beginning of your week was good. Thank you, Gary. GLP, as I like to call you, appreciate your brother. You are a legend as well. And we talk about our Mount Rushmore of Facebook supporters, GLP, definitely on that bad boy. No doubt about it. Scott, Von Miller to The Athletic, to Dan Pompey, uh, detailed the truth of his offseason plot. Didn't quite work out the way he wanted, although he still comes out on top with a ridiculous, what was it, six years, $120 million contract from the Bills. But Turns Not out like that, as we say, I really, right, really hate giving the the full numbers. I I start looking at, I can pull it, I can pull it up while you're talking about it. I'll tell you what his contract actually is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pull it up, pull it up. Here's here's what Miller it makes told. for a nice headline. But his his real contract is when his his dead cap starts getting lower than his uh, his salary cap number. That's his real contract. Probably going to be somewhere around the two-year mark. Three years, like sixty. He's still making twenty a piece, but it's still like three and sixty. I'll, I'll pull it up while you're you're going through. And this. I think he's thirty-three now, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty sure. So he's getting long in the tooth. Here's what he told uh, Pompey, though. Um, he was in negotiations with the Cowboys, and everybody knows Scott brought this up. Uh, Lawrence brought it up. I think that Condoleezza Rice was a Cleveland Browns fan. Well, Vaughn grew up as a Dallas Cowboys fan. That's really no secret. He grew up in Texas. And he said, quote, I told the Cowboys I was ready to come to the Cowboys. I would have taken less to go to Dallas because it's Dallas, but I wouldn't take that much less. Close quote. So, Scott, he was trying to kind of do the reverse DeMarcus Ware story. DeMarcus came from Dallas, who, of course, was a guy he grew up idolizing and loving and rooting for as a Cowboys fan. And then he comes to Denver and becomes a mentor and really helps take Vaughn from the brink of career ruin with all of his suspensions and flirting around with drugs and just not taking his career as seriously and his talent as seriously as he could. DeMarcus Ware shows up and then you get 2015 Vaughn um, and everything after that. Well, 2014 on Vaughn, and he was maybe hoping to reverse that. And he goes to Dallas and kind of reciprocates the DeMarcus Ware treatment to the Cowboys. But he ended up taking that deal with the Buffalo Bills. Your thoughts, Scott? Uh, real quick, uh, since I said I'd look it up, his contract is actually a three-year, $58 million with a club option, with uh, several club options, which he'll never see because he'll be 36 years old. Um, he'll get $51 million over the three years, and then they will – uh, probably release if not before then. Um, but then it would be, he'd already gotten paid his signing bonuses and all that type of stuff. So he'd get his dead cap three years, $58 million, the rest, which is a hell of a contract. Don't yep. get me wrong. That is a big, big deal. The rest is nonsense. And it makes for a really nice clickbait headline, hundred million, blah, 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 six years. He's going to play till he's 40. No, he's not. It's three years, $58 million. That's what his contract actually is. Um, like I said, Chad, they all, everybody grows up a fan of somebody. Yep. Uh, that doesn't mean that's, you know, you can't be passionate about your new home, um, and, and where you're going. So the Dallas Cowboys ended up with a fairly sub subpar off season. 
Mm-hmm. When you think of who they brought in, you know, Dante Fowler may have been their big ticket item. And Dante was released in Atlanta with eight, you know, they had 18 sacks total. Um, Dante's a big Dan Quinn guy, and maybe he can be rejuvenated. Randy Gregory spurned him last minute, and then they didn't pony up for Von Miller, who would have come home on a discount. And I like what he says. I would have played for a discount, but not yep, that big that a discount. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We have a friend. We should maybe ask our friend we know who is a Cowboys insider, bona fide, what, uh, how much less it really was. But, of course, the Cowboys, they wanted uh, – they had designs on a five-year $70 million deal for Gregory, for Randy Gregory, that he – kind of spurned them on and took the same deal from the Broncos. Maybe it was somewhere around there. I mean, maybe it was something like that. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, again, I I don't know that anybody else was going to come in with $60 million, you know, basically guaranteed from that the Buffalo bills did. That would have been a tough deal for 33 year old Von Miller. I don't blame, you know, I don't blame anybody for not doing that. Now Buffalo is, this close to a Super Bowl right now. Yep. So they're 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 putting it all on the table. They're all in. You know, we're gonna overpay for what we think could be the missing piece right now with our pass rush and bring in a couple other pieces, draft, what whatnot. And we're gonna make a run at this thing. And if we're overpaying Vaughn in the third year of his contract and he's not playing because he's 35, 36 years old, so be it. Hopefully we got a ring. So that's what they're looking for. I mean, last in the, in the, what was it? The, uh, was it the divisional round? I'm trying to, yeah, yeah the divisional the, round of the playoffs the, against the Chiefs, man. Imagine if the Bills would have had Von Miller chasing after Patrick Mahomes when the chips were down, how that might have. We don't know what would have for sure, but how that maybe could have changed the outcome because there were several moments in those flip flops, Scott, where I was sure the Chiefs were going down. Like that was it. No way that they can. And then boom, he squeaks back in somehow, and you're like, "Golly, man, Mahomes the magician." Yeah, the, the defenses were so tired at that yeah. point; they needed they needed something. They, they needed some help, and uh, they're bringing in some help. And Michael Ranquillo coming in said, uh, "Good evening, Chad and Scott on Mile Huddle Podcast. Let's ride and go Broncos. Appreciate you being here, Michael. Good to have you." And Phil coming in. I think it's probably good morning, Phil, coming with some stars saying, "Good evening, Chad and Scott. It's evening for us." Got to try the wings and street tacos. Great place to eat before and after a Rockies game. Hashtag let's ride. So appreciate the uh, the culinary expertise, Phil. Yeah, bro. And by the way, I learned Phil lives in Tucson for what it's worth. So just kind of food for thought there. Our, our uh, world traveler. Um, guys, there's not that much. The We have, Scott, we've hit on all the topics I wanted to get to tonight. You know, when we're in the regular season or even once we get to training camp, we're going to have – it's not going to be a matter of trying to get to an hour. It's not going to be a matter – I mean, we're. it's going to be hard to get off at an hour point because there's going to be so much to discuss. But Scott and I got to all the points we want to get to unless you guys have any burning topics you want us to answer. Hey, dude, well, there, talk about burning. We got the oil <laughs> boy. What's going on? What's going on, dude? Uh, Chad and Scott, super busy as of late, but football is almost here. Can't wait to see our boys. Put it down soon. MHH for life. Let's go, Broncos. Heck yeah, buddy. Chaos Josh in the house, dude. My punk rock bro. What's good? Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to this year too. Again, I had kind of I'd been so deep in college football for so long that I once they had left college football, I was kind of reinventing in college football. I don't know anything about college football right now. Um, and I feel like I'm 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 an NFL guy. 
and yep. a full year under my belt. And it's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait for this season. Dude, um, I'm, I'm actually excited for Zach because everyone knows the story. Zach, of course, grew up as a New York Jets fan. Okay. Then he, for a job, he gets put on the Denver Broncos beat at CBS 24-7 Sports circa halfway through 2016, if I remember right. So the Broncos had just won. He has yet to cover a playoff berth. He's yet to cover like when we can talk about a winning season, 2016 technically was a plus 500, but it, you know, if you don't make it to the playoffs, in my opinion, it's hard to call it a winning season. And, and Zach's never got to cover that for the Broncos. And of course now he's come to be uh, uh, very passionate about this team. This is his team. Now he covers it for a living and all that, you know, we blah, blah, blah. But like, it's going to be cool. I think Scott for Zach to finally be like writing about, dubs in the standings instead of you know this loss and this categorical controversy about this quarterback or that that's going to be cool yeah it'll it'll definitely be interesting to talk about you know plays instead of players sometimes yeah mm -hmm. you know about the the game and um it's it's going to be last year i had fun just getting back into it and getting to meet everybody but the breakdown of the games and sometimes the discussion afterward wasn't necessarily fun and, and going through press conference video and watching Vic Fangio definitely wasn't fun. He was, he was cringeworthy. He really was. I'm like, he, he acted like a child. I've said that before, uh, Chad, yep. almost called you Zach, uh, that I feel ridiculous saying he's probably got 10 to 15 years on me. And I feel like I'm talking down to the man, you know, right. he's, he's in his sixties and he acts like a, 30-year-old kid first-year coach. It's ridiculous. He was not a leader of men. And I think that was one of the things that when Elway was hiring post-Kubiak, he got all caught up in this Vance Joseph. He's a leader of men. And then he realized that he overestimated just how much of the equation that might play in, or, you know, in terms of the success of a first-time head coach or whatever. So I think by the time you get to Vic Fangio probably showing up to the interview in his sweatsuit, I think he did, right? I think he talked about the fact that he showed up in his sweatsuit one day removed from his team getting bounced by the Eagles in the playoffs. And Elway's like, yeah, I'm not, you know, leader of men. I'm not going to get too hung up on that. But then it came out in the wash, of course, that Vic, you know, the way he would get people to lead was by just kind of showing them how smart he was about football. And we can make jokes about, well, just how smart was he? But Vic Fangio is a defensive. He's he's His defense is the flavor of the day right now in the NFL. So give the man his props. And people go, oh, he knows so much. I'm going to trust him. But as soon as the results start stop coming or they're slow to come, then you got to turn to more of the, the tried and true leadership dynamics. And he just simply lacked those, Scott. Well, baseball calls them the managers. Yeah. You know, and that's where the, the head football coach is, uh, you know, is a manager as much as anything. And you right. are bad at managing a game plan, bad at managing the press, bad at managing your roster. Uh, you know, it was it was bad. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it was. It was bad. And, and Kenny, Kenny, KB82, Kenny Booker coming. This is good evening, fellas. If anyone who wants to watch Denver for free applies an usher at the stadium. I did it. And I saw all but Manning's first year. You know, that's yep. not a bad way to go. Um, yep. The weather's pretty good. It's almost like an, almost as good as an indoor stadium. You know, some of those can be a little rough. Uh, I don't, I don't want to be an usher at in, in an outdoor stadium in Atlanta in September. Good God, yeah. it's hot. Yeah. You know, no you, you need an IV by the time you get done with that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that's a, that's a smart way to go. And um, think about baseball, you know, going out there and doing that. You can go make a little scratch. It's kind of like me doing this. Oh, yeah. 
Like, what else yeah. would I rather do? If I'm watching baseball and slinging some peanuts and getting paid for it, that's a, that's not a bad hobby. Not a bad way to go. Kenny, hope we get to see you week three, bro. Come hang out with us. It'll be fun to catch up again. And by the way, you know, Albert's talking about chiming in late with the it's einkorn harvest time. He sent us uh, some his, 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 his einkorn. He sent us some of the einkorn with the in the middle. There's the yeah. cuss sound in the middle. Uh, flower and it's phenomenal so shout out albert but guys we're gonna get out of your hair thank you so much for spending some time with us oh we got chad beach throwing more chad beach coming in at the buzzer chad comes in with some stars saying eden fellas in broncos country jeff's topped on real quick to say hi to everyone glad i caught some of this live we're glad you were here too so um follow up with some with any of the questions you have uh i actually check youtube i don't go back it's too hard to follow the comments up on on facebook after the fact i I wish they would make that better we have find this stream on YouTube. And if you put in any questions or anything afterwards, I'm almost always, it might take a day or two, but I almost always come in and, and follow up with that. So, but you know where to find us, Chad. We'll see you again, uh, again, but we're, you're coming in late. Um, yep. Gillister, Gillister came in and had a good comment about living in chief's kingdom. Have to deal with kinky. He's had a, with cocky Chiefs fans every day, had a good comment. Here. <laughs> and just, kinky Chiefs for the fans love of too. God, beat Kansas City, I think is what Gilster said earlier. I meant to pull that one up. So I think cool. there's a lot of that going around, Gilster. So good comment. Guys, love you. Appreciate you. Thanks to each and every one of you giving us some time tonight. Uh, I'll see you Thursday night. Don't forget Broncos for Breakfast returning on the bright tomorrow. Then you get building the Broncos. Wednesday morning, you get Kim and beckoning the Broncos, Mile High Insiders. More Broncos for breakfast Thursday, and then Zach will be back well in time for our Thursday night show. So we'll look forward to seeing you guys then. And don't forget, connect with us on Twitter if you haven't done that. All right, at Huddle Up Pod, and then the main account at Mile High Huddle. Check out the merch store, huddleuppod.com, to get your swag on. Get yourself some merch, or just under the YouTube video right now, there's the slider. You can click on any of the designs. We got some cool things we're going to be unveiling soon, some updates there. Uh, And then, guys, don't forget to go leave your five-star review of this podcast, Mile High Huddle, period, uh, on Apple Podcasts. And that enters you into the drawing each and every month to potentially win some swag, as Travis did for the month of June. And those of you who do take the time to do that, seriously, it's a small thing you can do that helps us grow and reach new like-minded Broncos fans just like you that are wandering the desert, completely oblivious and unaware that this community is here waiting to embrace them. And then, guys, hey, other things like share, subscribe. You know the drill. We love you. We appreciate you. Scott, dude, thanks for showing up for duty, throwing down these conversations. I always look forward to them, bro. So thanks for that, and uh, we'll talk soon, bro. Yeah, had a lot of fun, and everybody will see you tomorrow morning on Broncos for Breakfast with Nick and I at 9.30 Eastern, 7.30 Mountain. All right. For Scott, I'm Chad. We'll see you later. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. 
Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 